morning again, guys. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm the lead pastor, teaching pastor here for Redemption Peoria. If I don't know you, I'd love to get to meet you. I'll be out in the lobby um, afterwards. Uh, I want to start with something, actually, that I just found out um, just five minutes ago. Uh, we, uh, when we first started meeting as a church, we were meeting uh, once a month at a Lutheran church that's kind of down the road, and we didn't have a place to meet on Sundays. Um, and I was introduced to um, a guy named Dan Shea, who uh, runs this whole theater. And um, he was super kind to us. Um, he let us use this building for pennies, um, and we still use it because of him for very little. Um, I created a really good relationship with the dude. Um, I mean, we, we've had opportunities to bless the uh, theater, like get them a projector, but they've given us more than we've given them. Um, and he has, through this whole process in this last year, been a huge advocate for us. Um, always, I knew that if there's ever an issue between like our setup crew and and, um, and any of the people here that I was able to go to Dan and we'd always be able to work it out. Um, he died this week. And, um, and uh, I don't know all of his family, but I know this for sure. He is loved in this community. What's crazy about this whole thing, just hearing about it, is I know for sure anybody I've sat down with um, that, to talk about Dan, the way he treated me for us, he's treated everyone. And so um, I just want to pray for him and his family. I have no idea where the dude is with Jesus. Um, we've had very little... Um, conversation with that because a lot of it had to do with business. And, um, and so I want to pray for him, his family. I know he leaves a wife behind. So if we could real quick, just, just pray for him or pray for the family. Father, thanks um, for hearing us. It's in these moments that we recognize that um, we just don't live forever. That's not something um, without you that we can ever hold fast to. But as Christians, we have that hope that, that there's something there. And and I don't know where Dan was with you. I have no idea. But we know, God, that he leaves behind this family and this community that's going to desperately miss him. So we pray for them. We pray that this would be used for your good, that, um, that man, you'd minister to his wife, that you would, um, you would remind her that eternity is stored up in her heart. Uh, God, that you would, I don't know. I mean, I don't, there's only so many things we can say, God, in this community that we would rally around um, you somehow, this would be for your good, and I, it's just a mess. Um, so so help, help give us guidance and wisdom and how to deal with some of this. Death is not something that was part of the, the original plan, that, that Genesis 3 brings this death, and now we kind of feel the weight of it. For most people in this room having no idea who this dude is, um, but man, we, we pray, God, that you would uh, you'd be in this situation. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want to start on a, a down moment like that, but I just heard it, and I was thinking how awesome this guy's been for us. And so I just want to make you guys aware of, of that. You can be praying for his family. Um, if you don't know, uh, we've been uh, going through the book of Titus starting last week. Um, we go through books in the Bible uh, at, at Redemption. So that's going to be our bread and butter every single time. We, we, we're going to stop and take breaks. But for the most part, if you're new, just know we are going to go through Scripture, um, huge chunks of Scripture. And it may not always be um, like a whole book. For example, over the summer, we're going to go through Psalms. And so we're going to uh, go through 10 different Psalms. Um, but for the most part, you know, we've gone through the entire uh, Gospel of Mark, verse by verse. We've gone through all of Judges, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, and currently, we're going through Titus. So let me just kind of 
kind of catch you up with where we are, because you've only missed one week, and it was just the greeting. Um, uh, uh, the, the book of Titus is written by a guy named Paul, who um, he is going around and planting churches. And when he plants these churches, he puts leadership in place. And one of the guys that he puts in place as a leader is Titus. Um, he is a pastor. Him and Timothy um, have uh, both uh, have uh, letters written to them, uh, and they're called the pastoral epistles, the pastoral letters. And, and we're going to read Titus. This is a, a, a viewpoint that we don't get terribly often in the New Testament. It's from a leader written to a leader of a church for how the church should operate. Okay? Now that's important because I think at this point, if you've been coming for a couple months now, you know how much we value what you do outside of this room, your job, your family. You spend most of your time outside of this room, right? 99% of your time. But there's also kind of an opportunity that we get to look at introspectively how the church should work. So um, what does that mean? Is it an organization? Like, am I a part of this? Do we, you know, we do blood covenants. What's the deal? Um, and so what we're going to do is kind of talk about all the kind of ins and outs and nuances of the church. For you to say, I go to church, which is a crazy thing because the church, cliche here, but it's, it's, it's not a building, right? It's even the, the way that we talk about this being is I go to church. It's the wrong form of a noun. It's always been a people. It's never been a place. Um, but if you're going to say you're part of Redemption Peoria, this is your home. I gather with other believers. Um, then what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean? And that's what Titus allows us. Now, it's important that we know this because it's a little bit like smelling salt. Uh, It's going to wake us up in some ways because the reality is we're going to look at the church, how it operates for you guys at home, how how, um, uh, leadership works. What does it mean for grace and uh, works to to, to play out in the church? But but this morning, what we're going to really hone in on and where we're going to start and where Paul starts with Titus is leadership, is elders, okay? Now, um, maybe you're not familiar with what that is. I'll explain that, but we're gonna start there and, and it's weird, it's kind of awkward because I'm essentially gonna lay out to you guys um, what I'm supposed to be doing, um, right? And so I, I wanna talk about some of that But before I do, I want to kind of lay out what the structure is uh, that we hold to. So we're going to jump right in. I got a lot of text to go through, even though it's only, um, you know, four or five verses. So if you can, open your Bibles uh, to verse five. I'm going to start with uh, the the first thing that Paul is going to tell Titus after reminding him uh, last week, according to us, earlier on the first four verses. Hey, if you're a Christian, there are things that you need to do. Okay, you cannot say you have knowledge of God and not act on it. There is no, I, I love Jesus, but I don't, I kind of do what I want. I, you know, he looks a lot like me and how I would act. That's not Christianity. Okay. And so what we're going to do is we're, we're, we're going to talk about the ins and outs, the nuances to wake us up for the church. This is very practical. And this is what I love about this. If we were to do sermon like topics, like wait, 10 ways to get out of debt, five ways to have a better marriage, um, how to get rich, whatever it is. If there was all these different ways to do that, we would not be talking about the ins and outs of the church. But because we go through books in the Bible, we're forced to talk about things that are kind of like, why are we talking about this? But hopefully you, you see why we are. So verse five, okay? Before we get to elders, here, here's where we're, we're, we're gonna uh, uh, go. Verse five, this is why I, Paul saying this to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order. Um, if, if you're new, I'm gonna read a verse, explain it, read a verse, explain it. It's gonna be a, a, a pretty big Bible study. Um, and, and here's the first thing I want you to know. He says, I left you in Crete, which is, the translation is, I dispatched you in Crete. I sent you there to set things up. But here's what he says. I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order. Then he's gonna get into elders. But that first statement I wanna talk about, I wanna take like five or 10 minutes to talk about about it. Because what he's told Titus is, hey, Titus, I left you there so that you can organize things. You can put structure around things. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to talk about what our structure is. 
Here, here's what I know. I was telling uh, the group on Friday this at our foundations class. I was telling them that um, most people who are coming to Redemption Peoria are considered new, right? So almost half the people who come to Redemption Peoria have been coming in the last six months. So if you're ever like, no one ever greets me, I'm new. It's like, if you've been coming for like three months, you're the veteran. Like you're the one who, who know, like, yeah, like, dude, this dude's been here forever, okay? So... So, so, so because of that, we've always got to continue to put our vision and our mission in front of us so that we know why we're doing what we're doing. Now, the last Sunday of 2015 and the first Sunday of 2016, we took two Sundays to go in detail of how we operate as a church. Because maybe some of you um, grew up in church and you, you knew there were certain things, men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry, whatever it is. I'm not saying those things are bad, but there was like a lot of different ministries or you can be a part of it. We've decided very early on before we ever started gathering gathering on Sundays is we are going to keep it as simple as possible. Okay. Now I'm not going to go into the detail that I did um, at the beginning of the year, but I'm going to just lay out. So, you know, our philosophy of ministry, we have three buckets. That's it. We do three things, three things. We do redemption communities. We do our Sunday corporate gatherings and we do leadership development. That's it. So when, when Paul is saying, hey, I want you to put in order, this is a good contextual point right now for us to stop and say, Redemption Peoria, what does it look like for us to put things in order? What does it look like? How do we do church? Okay? And so I just want to very quickly go over the things that, that it looks like, because here's, here's the truth. Some of you have come to me and said, how can I do mission? Like, how can I serve the city? And my immediate question to you every single time is, what community are you in? Because in community, our communities are not just Bible studies, though we study the Bible. They're, they're, they're not just social justice things, though we serve the city. They're not just times to hang out, though we have social times. They're not just times to, to break up men and women um, every single week, but we do that, right? So there is a rhythm to our communities. That's why we call them communities and not Bible studies. There's a rhythm to our communities that says, hey, it's important that you understand a big frame in which we do. One of our big buckets is communities, redemption communities. This is how you can get involved. Now, this morning, right now, I want to take five minutes and give you practical ways that some of you can get involved. Because here's what I know. Um, since so many people are new, you kind of came in and a lot of the roles or jobs in the church um, were already kind of full, right? It's like a weird thing to say, but they're kind of already taken. And, and they were taken by people who were early on in the process, so you kind of feel like, I don't know, what could I do? What could I do? Maybe I could do this or whatever it is. But we, we have to come together and say, there's a way to serve the community, but we also need to be serving each other. So my question to you is, how are you serving your brother and sister at Redemption Peoria? So I want to give you ways, if you're new, to dive in, okay? So first, let's start with Redemption Communities. The first one um, goes for everyone. I know this sounds crazy. Join one, okay? <laughs> Moving on, Okay. <laughs> The, the second way is maybe um, you feel like you can cook really well, or you think you can cook well, and we'll let you know if you can't. Um, but, but, but you feel like you could cook. In a community, we need people who would just own cooking. Um, we literally, I mean, we put our money where our mouth is when it comes to the food in our communities. Um, your tithe money, we, we have a, per, a certain percent of our tithe money that goes towards redemption communities to feed the people in redemption communities, right? So your redemption community leader is given gift cards by Stephen Wallstrom to cover babysitting, and food. That, that's where, so we believe in communities. We believe that we should get together, gather around meals, and fellowship together. And so maybe you're good at cooking. Uh, maybe you could just open your home. You got like a 40,000 foot home, and you feel like, hey, this would be a great place to meet. And we're like, yeah, you, you live at the Cardinal Stadium. And so, um, and then the last way is uh, the leadership help. I'll get to RC Grants in a second. Is leadership help. 
um, maybe you don't feel like you can lead a, a redemption community, but you do feel like you can disciple a couple of dudes or disciple a couple uh, of women. And so in communities, we have a year-long leadership process, which I'll get at the end of this graph here, um, that, that, you, that you would go through and say, like, here's, I can disciple two or three guys. That's easy for me to do. And we need that in our communities desperately, all right? Because we, our communities are blowing up and we need leaders, which again, I'll get to. But even now, when you have a community of 30 people, we're not just leaving it on two people to, to lay out what, what that means to disciple all those people. We need other people to help with that. And then the last way is redemption uh, community grants, RC grants. Some of you are not aware of this, but this is going to be a little bit of a game changer. We will not, for now at least, contextually, within our context of the city of Peoria, we're not going to do some hollabalazoo big outreach to bring people in and then kind of, uh, you know, bait and hook them into to hearing the gospel and pass out tracks. That's not something we're going to do. Rather, check this out, wherever you are, the church is. So we take 10% of everything that comes in. We put it in a pot and all of us gather around this pot and somebody goes, which this is what should be happening. This is our philosophy of ministry. Somebody goes, my next door neighbor, they need to be able to pay their rent and they're $300 short. That's a redemption community grant. You are in charge of benevolence. I'm not in charge of benevolence, okay? So some of you go, man, I think it would be great to bless the teachers that I work with. That is a redemption community grant. It is your job. It is, it, listen, you ain't looking at me going, hey, what are we gonna do in the next serving project? You tell me, bro. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm asking you. And hear me, hear me. We got 10% of this dough set aside. We're not using it. We're not using it until you use it. So you don't want the money, that's on you. But I'll keep using it for my like, neighbors. My neighbors got plasma screen TVs. They got new cars. Hey, that's, I'm, that's fine, right? I'm going to continue to use that. And other community leaders are aware of that. But you need to understand, if you go to Redemption Peoria, you're part of Redemption Peoria, you give to Redemption Peoria, that money is there for communities to come around, even as a community, to go, hey, we would love to do this. We would love to do that, okay? So... That money's there. We actually just put, get, put together a Redemption Community Grant Committee who's going to be able to funnel all of that in and make some of those decisions. But you guys know people who are hurting and who are in need. Um, I would challenge you to use that money because it's not going anywhere. Um, okay, but then here's the other part uh, uh, of this. Redemption communities are, are a huge. I mean, they are, but all those communities come together and we do this every single Sunday, okay? And uh, there's three ways that I want to put in front of you that you can get involved with this. And this is a big deal because right now, actually, Stephanie, can you put up all three for me? Um, so there's uh, media, which is music and, and the, the, the board. There's setup crews and there's children's ministry. Now, I need you to look at that list good and long, okay? Because here's what I need some of you to know. Um, I'm not a big fan of consumerism, okay? And when we started this church, I was, I was hell-bent on this idea that I am not going to let us sit back and just do church. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, getting saved in high school, doing church was the lamest thing. I think anybody, like, part, for what? Why would you come here and just kick it? And why? That is so, like, so lame. That's so lame, right? But rather, being a part of the church, being all in, serving one another is what we are going to continue to drive you, you towards. And I don't care if you feel all the guilt in the world right now. Feel it, okay? Okay? <laughs> So, so here's three ways, three ways that people have stepped up from the beginning and filled some of these roles. But, but listen, they're doing it every single week and it's time they go to once a month because you can step up. The first way is media. You can run a soundboard. Um, you could even serve in the worship team. You can help set up uh, the, the, the stage on Sundays. There are a lot of ways for you to, to step in media. And I asked Brandon Harder, um, how many needs for, even just for the soundboard? And we need five more people. I'm going to be that guy. Five. How many? I got one. No, okay. I won't be that guy. Okay. Um, 
But we need five people to step up just in this area of media, right? So let me give you an, an email address real quick. This is Josh's email address. Can you put that up for me, Stephanie? Um, if not, that's okay. Josh Miles, or it's Brandon's, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Okay, if you want to get involved with media, the worship team or whatever it is, so it's not Josh, Stephen, um, Aubrey, Carolina, Nick, Michael up here every single week. If you have a gift to be able to do any of that, Josh Miles, I know it's difficult, at redemptionaz.com. Josh Miles at Redemption. I ain't giving anybody off the hook. I'm leaving this up here. Look at it. Look at it. You know how to play the piano and you're being selfish, okay? Look at it, okay? All right, second one. Here's a second way that you can serve. Um, Setup crew, okay? Some of you easily, you got young backs, college students, I'm talking to you. If I watch one more 65-year-old man walk through a group of college students breaking down, I'm gonna lose my mind, Okay? You're like talking, and here comes David Beeman, who's 60 plus years old, pushing a cabinet, and you're like, what's up, right? No, because you're not giving money either, so you better start serving. Okay, so, so, so here's, here's what I'm going to say. If second service is your deal, or normally you come to first service, we literally need 10 more people to help set up in the morning. People come an hour and a half early before we start church, set all this up, set all the children's ministry stuff up, all the stuff up in the lobby. It takes time, and it takes a lot of energy, and it's the same people doing it over and over and over again. We're not consumers. And then we need 12 more people to help break down. We are not consumers. This is the email you can do. Jim Ellis. Jim Ellis is an elder. Jim Ellis at redemptionaz.com. Look at it. Look at it, okay? If you can do this, you can serve, okay? If you can pick up something or even push, okay, you can serve. It's not that hard. You'd stay 20 minutes after service to help break down. You can do this. I believe in you, okay? 12 people, better sign up, okay? The last way is children's ministry. Bum, 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 okay? Um, Here's what we know. The college students, this is where you guys have been money. Um, You guys have stepped up immensely uh, to, to fill a lot of the, 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 the roles in, in children's ministry. Um, but check it out. Here's what everyone needs to know. What happens with college students who don't live in Arizona when the summer hits? They leave. They go home for the summer, okay? Which leaves a huge void. Um, so here's what, I, what I'm going to say. If you want to try out children's ministry, if you can do this, okay? It's probably crying, so you're probably like, okay, please stop, okay? Um, but if you, can, if you can do that, you can serve in children's ministry. You can do this. And over the summer, if you can do this, is a good opportunity because it's, a, it's only a three to four month commitment every other week. You're going to do it maybe 12 times, not even, um, maybe eight to 10 times. And at the end of the summer, if you're like, I'm never doing that again, that's okay. At least you gave it a try. But we literally need 15 people to step up for the summer for children's ministry. So hear me, why am I doing this super pragmatic way? Um, to, to, like, why is it like, Okay, 10, 5, 4, 15 people. Because the reality is some of you guys have been wondering how you can get plugged in. And there are ways that we want to invest in you outside of this, uh, this room together. But there are ways that you need to continue to invest inside this room, right? And I'm going to say this. As parents, very quickly, um, this is Sean talking. Don't hear like the, the Bible. But I really believe if you're a parent, you have no reason not to be serving in children's ministry. Somebody watches your kids every single week. You can go in there once a month and watch someone else's kids. That is family. That, that to me is where I don't understand suburbia. Like growing up in the hood, everybody was watching, anybody was allowed to spank anybody's kids. Um, and so I just, it's a whole different world to me that we don't help come alongside. So um, feel that guilt, whatever it's worth, let's get into elders. Um, that is our structure. If Paul was to come to us and say, hey, Sean, I want you to put some things in order. 
That's what I would have done. This is how we would have done it. Now, um, this structure that's in order was not just put in place by me. Those three buckets were designed by a group of elders, okay? Now, um, the way that you can understand our elders, so it's, uh, it's good, is we have Jesus. If there's an org chart, Jesus is the dude. He's like the top of the org chart, okay? But under that, we have three elders. We have myself, Jim Ellis, if you can step out. Jim Ellis is the wisdom of, of okay? Um, look at that gray hair, y'all, Okay? Myself, Jim Ellis, and John Demeter, who is not here, he, he's a part of Athletes in Action, and he does a lot of traveling, and uh, um, he's actually gone right now in Texas. But we started, before we ever started gathering in communities, there were us three as elders. Those are our elders, okay? Now, some of you who grew up in church, as you read your Bible, you're like, what about deacons, okay? So those elders with, uh, uh, play the part of, uh, of being an elder, but also are in the role of deacon along with um, eight other couples. So we believe that uh, women can also be deacons. I'll get into the whole gender stuff in a second. Um, but, but your redemption community leaders are your deacons. So if you've wondered about how we put our structure together, um, so right now we have 11 communities. Um, the people who are leading those communities are the Ellis's, if you know the Cosby's, Lance and Melissa. If you know the Heels, Tyler and Emily. Tyler and Mike are the ones who are doing uh, Financial Peace University. The Harders, Brandon is in charge of doing the um, uh, organizing the whole sound booth stuff for Josh. Um, we have Candace and myself. Uh, we have uh, Jim and uh, Shirley, that, which I just mentioned. Um, Vincent and Diana Clark. Vincent was up here doing the All of Life interview with the Gussics. We've planted a team with Lisa Lopez, um, Michael and Holly Neely, and KJ Gould, who run the Lopez community. The Wallstrom, Summer, is in charge of our children's ministry. And Stephen is in charge of all of our finances. They run the Wallstrom community. And then the Roberts community is ran by the Landenfelds, uh, Scott and Michelle Landenfeld. And I think that's everyone. Pardon me if I forgot anyone. Is that everyone? Oh, the damn. Yeah, no, we're good. That's it. <laughs> No, uh, uh, John and Teresa Demeter are the, the, the uh, so, so those are what we consider our deacons. So the elders kind of roll in as, as deacons. Well, that would be our org chart and, and we're all under that leadership. So that is how we run our leadership. Now I'm going to read this next verse. So let's keep going or still the same verse. I know it took a long time, but these next ones I'm going to roll through. Okay. Um, and then he says this. So the first thing after you set up structure is to set up leadership. Okay. This is what he says. And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So I explained who these are, who the structures are, what the structures are. But I, wanna, I want you to understand something that's important that we take serious about um, being elders of this church. Okay? Um, uh, there, there's a verse in Hebrews 13, 17, if you can feel the weight of this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. So I'm saying this to you. This is not a command to me. Hebrews 13, 17 is a command to you. Listen to it again. Obey your leaders and submit to them. This is in all in the confines of church uh, leadership. For they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will give an account. Um, as we go into leadership, I know some of you have been burned. I know. Uh, in 2006, Candace and I were super excited to buy a house. A guy came to us. He literally took a dollar bill in front of me and said, when you rent, this is what you're doing. And he burned up the dollar bill. And I was like, wow, that's, I don't want to waste money, right? And so um, Candace and I are young and married. We have no kids. Um, and it's 2006. And here's what I know about buying a house. You're going to make some money, right? Um, because the housing market is going to never stop. Um, it's just going to keep growing. Um, and so I go in with, so he basically comes to us and he says, here's the deal. We'll buy this house under your name. I know you can't afford it. I'll be able to work with the loan officer. How convenient. I'll be able to look with the, work with the loan officer. We'll pay half and you pay half. It'll be under your name. We'll sell it in two years. We'll each make a hundred grand. Yes, please. Okay. So I go in with this guy. We continue to talk through all this. We end up buying this house for $285,000. Um, and then something crazy happened. I don't know if you guys heard, but there was this housing market crash. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Um, 
but, but it just, it, the bottom fell out, right? And so here's what we came to find out. This guy, um, he sold the house to us from himself. Um, he, he, he sold it for, a, he had it, bought it for $200,000, upticked it, bought it for himself. We paid the down payment, so he made a quick buck, right? But then we found out, after, of course, he backed out, he couldn't afford to pay his side. Um, we found out he couldn't afford to pay his half when the whole housing market crashed because he was doing it with 19 other people. 19 other people. So he bamboozled all these people. Now listen, I signed the papers. It's all on me. Like Candace and I, we did. Even my mother-in-law at the time was like, oh, yeah, I don't think you should do this. We're like, quiet, Don. We're going to get a house, okay? Um, <laughs> but we were super excited. Check this out. He was a pastor at our church. Like, I get it, man. I get it. I, I, I get being burned. Some of you guys come from a place that you look at leadership in the church and you go, yeah. Whether it be money, whether it be, uh, man, sexual sin, whether it be pride, I get it. I get it. All I can tell you is the existence of fake money doesn't mean real money does not exist. And I'm not saying, like, look at the elders now, we're legit. I'm just saying I understand why you, you have hesitancies about trusting the church. Man, every time you turn on Channel 21, there's a reason not to trust the church. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, God has given the body leadership. He's, he's set up something intentionally. And so as awkward as it is for me to say this, we got to follow that. We got to follow that paradigm. He knows what's best. And people are messing that world up. I get it. Some aren't even Christians. Uh, the, the New Testament talks about them. Jesus talks as wolves. They're wolves. I get it. I get it. But, but we got to talk about this because God has given us leadership for a reason. So the first thing that he says is he tells us to appoint elders as I directed you. And I just told you that the weight of what we feel in Hebrews 13. Now, here's what you can do. Now, this, this is for you to look at myself, Jim, and John. And he's going to say, here's how you know an elder is an elder. Here's what you can do. We're literally just going to roll through like a big Bible study. Uh, the word, then I'm going to tell you literally how it translates. And then I'm going to give you an example of what that looks like. Here's the first thing that you need to know. If anyone is above reproach, he can be an elder. Now, above reproach does not mean perfect. Later, uh, literally, there's a, a, the word kaleo, where we get our word call from in the Greek in that word. It literally means like if I stand in a courtroom, somebody could not go, no, he did this. Like it wouldn't stick. Like these men need to be known as, no, 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 he's this type of person. And everyone would be able to go, no, that's not the type of person he is. He is above reproach. Secondly, he needs to be the husband of one wife, okay? Now, feminists rise up because here we go. Um, we believe that, that elders are male only, uh, are male, males only. We believe in male only leadership. Uh, elders, not just leadership, sorry. Um, so here's what I mean. Now, I'm not just taking it from this verse, um, but as redemptionists stand, maybe you're not familiar with where we stand on this, but there's two kind of big overarching uh, stances. There's something called egalitarianism. That means in the church, a woman can do anything a man can do. She can be lead pastor, she can be an elder, she can, do, she can teach from up front, whatever it is. And then there's something else called complementarianism. Um, and complementarianism, it says, no, we're the same, or I'm uh, sorry, we're equal, but we're just not the same. Like, there are things that women can do that men cannot do, and there are things that men can do that women cannot do, okay? There, there are both sides of this, and though we are equal, we do not have the same roles. And one of the things that, that we believe um, men only can do are be elders, now, here's, let me just, this is just one verse, but there, we have another slew, and I'm sure I'll, I'll get a good amount of emails on this. Um, Laney and Faith, I'll start naming names. Um, I love them, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm not, help me. Um, okay, 
so, so here, here's, here's what I'll say. Literally translated, this is a one-woman man. And now, now listen, the, the normal uh, uh, form of man is anthropos in Greek. That is not this. It is aner. It mi- literally means male. Literally translated, he's saying, identify a male with one wife. That's honestly how you, could, you would translate it. Literally, a male with one wife. He cannot have multiple wives, but he is a male. Okay? So there's the second part. If you have questions, which I'm sure you do, um, because we believe women can be deacons. That's why in our communities, uh, women are deacons. Here's the second part, or the third part of this. His children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. What's interesting about this little statement is it's in the present tense. So I would argue, um, and I'm not saying right, but this is where I feel like the text is pushing us, that um, they have to be believers, which means they have to have faith. Uh, There can't be debauchery, which literally translated as they can't be wild or out of control. Their kids can't be. um, And they can't be insubordinate or insubordinate. That means they, they, they fall in line. Um, and it's in the present tense because it would say this. Um, maybe Corbin grows up and, be, and, and just is a terrible human. He's my, my eight-year-old son. Maybe he grows up and I... But in this is in the present tense. While he's in my house, he, he's going to live in the Christian community. He's going to live in the Christian community. And I pray, because I can't make him be a believer. Um, I pray that God opens his eyes and opens his heart to be a believer. Okay? He's not going to be wild and out of control. Like, he's going to be a kid, totally fine, but he's not going to do whatever he wants, right? Corbin, don't do that. One, two, Corbin. Crazy Corbin. He's just so crazy, okay? No, no. That will not happen. Corbin, don't do that. Okay, it's your first warning. Let's go in the bathroom. I want to talk to you, okay? Okay? So, so, so he's not going to be insubordinate and he's not going to not fall in line, right? So he's going to submit to the leadership that is in the house um, that God has given to Candace and I to, to lead our family. So if we want that, that is what an elder is as well. And then he's going to do something pretty bizarre. Paul's going to do something pretty bizarre in Titus for, uh, uh, um, uh, verses 7 and 8, okay? He's going to kind of restart. He's going to use a different term besides elder, if you look in 7, for an overseer, which I would say is a synonym with elder, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He makes the same declaration and now he's going to do something really cool. He's going to give a list of negatives, things that an elder cannot do, and then he's going to give a list of positives, things that an elder should do, okay? So I'm going to read these these one-word statements. I'm going to tell you how they're literally translated, and then I'm going to give you an example of them, and it's going to be very quick, okay? So he must not, he must not be arrogance. This word arrogant is really cool. It's altas hidomai. Um, Altas in Greek means self, and you can hear what hidomai means. It's where we get our word hedonism from. He cannot be self-indulgent. It can't be about him. The best example I can give is Brian Regan's The Me Monster. If you've ever seen it, Google it. Um, it's called The Me Monster, and that, an elder cannot be that. It can, every conversation cannot turn back on him. It cannot be about him. That is not an elder. The second thing that he cannot be is he cannot be quick tempered. This is where I become disqualified, um, okay? Because essentially what takes place is um, he cannot be, and literally translated as prone to anger. His proclivity cannot be mad and lash out. That cannot be his deal. I, I asked Corbin um, uh, yesterday as I was reading this thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. Um, I asked him, hey buddy, do you feel like um, um, daddy's like he, he sometimes is hard on you because I'm definitely harder on Corbin than any of our other kids. Um, and I was like, oh, please, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, dad, you're, you're perfect. And I was like, okay. No, he didn't say that at all. <laughs> um, he, he said, he said, he said, yeah, sometimes. I was like, okay, I think I'm okay with sometimes. Um, 
but I can't be prone, I can't be to him or to anyone known to be someone who just, like, I'm, I'm prone to anger. That's my, my propensity, right? Uh, the next thing is I cannot be a drunkard. Elders cannot be a drunkard, which literally translated as cannot be addicted to wine. The best example I can give of this is for you to know that you will not hear from an elder's mouth at Redemption Peoria is, I don't know how you have a good time without drinking. Okay? That is not something you will hear an elder from Redemption Peoria say, I don't know how you can have a good time without drinking. They can have a good time. They can drink. I have no problem with them drinking. Um, I, I mean, I don't, but, um, okay? but, but, but ultimately what, what we're going to put in front of, and, and, and Jim and John, uh, I know Jim does. He's crazy, but um, so. Oh, I, no, that wasn't, okay. Um, the next one is, he cannot be violent. Some of your, your translations say pugnacious. Literally translated, it means a striker, right? So you can't like roll up on Jim. He's like, what? What? Okay. Like he does that a lot. And so you need to tell him to stop. Okay. Um, no, he can't. Uh, literally a striker. He can't be the one who's looking to like fight always. That, that, that cannot be something, a quality of an elder. He needs to be peaceable. He needs to be like, he's the one who, according to Proverbs, a, a soft answer turns away wrath, right? Someone comes at him. He's not looking to whiplash back, but he's looking to, to defuse the situation. So he cannot be violent. The last one of things he cannot be is he cannot be greedy for gain. This doesn't mean he can't pursue gain, right? We want our elders to pursue promotions. We want them to make money. Those things are good things, but he cannot pursue it um, and it be the heart of what drives him, right? It cannot be something that, that he ultimately wants because that is the, the end goal. That cannot be um, what he's doing. And, and the best way that I think I can uh, I'll probably lay this out is if I was to come up or any of our elders were to come up and say, hey, can you come to my house for dinner? Sure. And then they come in and be like, hey, listen, I get this idea. You five give me $20. And then you five find five other people to give them $20, okay? If an elder does that, I need you to tell me, okay? <laughs> Jim, again, unreal. Um, okay, then he goes from this list from the negative to the positive. So those are things that an elder cannot be. Here's what an elder should be, okay, from the positive. But he must be hospitable. I love this word. This word is so cool in Greek. It's philos exnas, which essentially is the word philos is where we get our word, one of our words for love. Well, we only have one word for love, but if you know the word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, that's philos, um, uh, and it's philos exnas. So he, he loves, and then exnos is like the, the um, outlier, the, the, the person who is new, the newbie, the, the person who's a stranger. He loves someone who hasn't been welcomed. He, love, he loves to have them at their house, he, he's the first person that when they walk through the door, he goes up and says, hi. He loves to engage with people who aren't like him and who are new and who feel out of crisis. So I hope that as elders, we've done that well. And to be honest with you, this is one of the driving forces that I tell you every single week. I'll be in the lobby. Please come up and say hi so we can meet. But he's hospitable. Um, I, I, just, I think that's uh, really awesome. The second one is he must be a lover of good. Literally translated as he must love inherent goodness. So the only way that I can really think about this is, I know this sounds crazy, is an elder must love the things that, um, that God originally created as good that we can still see redemption windows in. So he, he loves I, this is going to sound super new agey, but like he loves animals, right? He loves nature. He, he loves to see the sunset. He, he loves things that like God would say, I've created to look at the stars. He loves those things. Now that sounds weird, um, but this is something like he, to, to go on a hike or to go to, to, like he just loves those things. Now, if you've been to my house, you know, I don't really love my dog. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. That's it. Um, <laughs> But I do, right? I, I like him. Well, no, no. 
I love him, I just don't like him, okay? Okay. I'm trying to justify why I'm not disqualified, but um, okay. Here's the third one, what he must be. He must be self controlled. Literally translated, he regulates his outward behavior. When I was in the Philippines about eight years ago, I remember sitting down and all of us Americans are sitting down at a table and one of the pastors, kind of like a soft rebuke goes, you know what's interesting about Americans is they always eat until they're full, but we only eat until we're not hungry, which is interesting way to think about it, right? Because when you eat, when you're no longer hungry, you can stop eating, but not in America, okay? We're going to keep eating until I feel like I want to vomit, okay? And his point was, you don't know when to stop, do you, okay? Because you've just eaten like as much as five Filipinos. Like, what are you doing? Um, so, so there is a self-regulation. He, he, knows how to, he knows when to say no. There are boundaries to what he does. He, he's not just a, a, a hospitable, lover of good, self-controlled, but he's also upright. And this is a, a really important one because it's not that he is perfect, but literally translated as like before the Lord, they're good. Like, like he is upright before the Lord, which is huge, right? Because here's what I'll say. Um, there's a difference um, from being addicted to sin and captured by sin and struggling with it. There, there's a big difference there because uh, w- w- the difference being as an elder, um, man, we're gonna struggle with sin. Ain't nobody perfect but Jesus. Even the man writing this at one point in Romans says, oh, wretched man that I am, the things I wanna do, I can't do. But rather he leads the way here. This, this is big in repentance. He, he's able to go to his kids or he's able to go to you and go, man, I dropped the ball. That's not how I should have acted towards you. That's not what I should have said. I say this to to my kids constantly. You guys, this is why daddy needs Jesus too. Because I don't have it all right. So he leads the way in repentance. He's upright, not because he's perfect. This is what's weird about our relationship with non-believers or people who don't like the church is because they kind of point their finger and go, oh, you Christians just think you're perfect, right? And you're kind of sitting there going, well, because of Jesus, I am, right? Like what's crazy about the New Testament is we're called saints. Like if you're, you're a Christian, you're, you're literally considered a saint, whether you feel like you are or not. Because of the blood of Jesus, you're a saint. And the people look at you and go like, you guys just think you're a bunch of saints. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, <laughs> right? The difference being is I'm not righteous because of what I've done. I'm not righteous because of what I do. I'm righteous because of what Jesus has done, right? And, and that's what makes me upright. I go to him and I plead for the blood of the cross. And that's what makes me upright. I stand before him through repentance. The next one is holy. It's where we get our, again, actually where we get our word uh, uh, saints. But this holiness is different. It's different than just goodness. We talked about this last week. Holiness has uh, the statement that I would give a lot. And, and you need to hear this a lot. If you're ever in an elder's home, what does the Bible say? When he's raising his children, there's an argument. Okay, hold on, hold on. What does the Bible say? And that is the definition of holy. He's living by what God has said, um, holy. And then the last one is he is disciplined, which sounds a lot like self-controlled, but it's a little different. And I want to explain this um, because literally translated is, is means you're a master of yourself. So those who are self-controlled, similar, but, but being disciplined, uh, the only word I can continue to think of is vice, is vice. Elders don't have vices. Now, um, let me just give you some practical ones and then a little more hardcore ones. Um, practical ones, I, I don't think an elder can go, if I don't get my coffee, I'm just, I'm, I'm all kinds of messed up. That's a vice, right? 
Um, they, they, I mean, I, if, when they don't eat, there's a, like, food is like a thing. They can't stop eating. They, they really shut, like, there's, that's a vice. There's something that's holding them tight. Now, they may, um, now to the hardcore things, they may maybe fall or struggle, like, looking at a woman the wrong way, and they repent of that things, but they are not, they are not bound. They're not struggling with pornography. There is no addiction to any of that. An elder, this is, this is a standard that, um, quite honestly, is really important for us, that we have, we look at this and we go, there's nothing that locks me up. I'm a master of these things, okay? Not because you're awesome, but because of the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. He's walked us through these things. So, so we're, we're self-controlled, but we're also disciplined, okay? Um, I, I want to show you guys something that I, I think might be helpful. It's a, a chart, um, because I don't think this list for um, uh, Titus, from Titus, is complete. I, I don't think you can go, okay, you're this, let's go through it. You're, yeah, this is um, somebody else's translation of how, what they would say, but uh, they, they can be called to account. Uh, they're a believer, their children believe Jesus, not like, okay, cool, you're hitting all these check marks. It's more than that. Because Timothy gives us even a longer list, one of which, for an elder, would say that he's got to be able to teach, Okay? He's got to be able to teach. And maybe not from here, but an elder's got to be able to teach in a group or, or, or be able to walk through all that. So, so there's this, this big list, and we'll put this online for you guys to look through. But ultimately, um, an elder's got to be able to hear this, be above reproach with these things. He's got to be above reproach. That does not mean sometimes there's a moment where I do. So I was joking, right? But, but in all seriousness, there's moments where I do, I, I snap real quick. And I'm like, dang it, why do I? But that cannot be who I am. That cannot be something as like, well, I'm an Italian. I'm just short. You know what I mean? Like that cannot be. My identity is found in Jesus. And hear this. This is important. This word becomes super convoluted. You have to know me as those things. If somebody in this congregation goes, actually, dude, you're a jerk. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because then we got to be able to process what an elder looks like. And so there's this list. Now, um, he goes on, we're, we're going we're gonna to go on to verse 9, because I think this is really cool. This is how it pertains to you. He says this, one of the last things, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. At this time, there's no Bible. If you read Acts, you'll see in Acts 2 that it's the apostles teaching what the, the disciples of Jesus Christ are now passing on to the church. Do these people cleave, literally cleave to those teachings? And so as they're doing that, that's a big question. Now, it's important that they hold to the disciples' teaching because that becomes the Bible. And now the, now the elders need to hold to fast um, uh, the, the word of God, which is a big deal. Because here's what you can know about your elders, right? I, and I, and I, I speak definitely for myself, but I, I, I know uh, Jim and John's personal life. Jim and John are practicing the spiritual disciplines. We, we, we may, maybe we miss our, our time with the word a day, but it will not be consistent. Our promise to you is that we will pray for you, that we will, we will read our Bible to help lead so we're never leading out of ourself. We're going to fast. We're going to meditate. And we're going to evangelize. We as leaders want, want you to know that we're going to hold fast to the word of God as it's taught in leading us in those spiritual disciplines. But for you, you need to know this. We're doing this so you can follow. That list is not just for us. Yes, it, it's according. This is what an elder needs to be found. But here's what's interesting about this list. And this may be really weird. And this is where some of your baggage, you've, you've just got to let go. But Paul tells us twice in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 4 and in chapter 11, and this is a crazy statement, follow me as I follow Christ. See, the reason that these men cannot, myself, Jim and John, and our church cannot play games with these things is because we're like pace cars. 
We're not getting to the finish line first, but we're setting the temperature. We're setting the pace of what's going on. Come, we're all doing this together. Look at our example. Can you see? And so I can go in full, like, um, I, 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 I feel confident in, I, I, I don't feel like there's any, to, for me to go, hey guys, we need to fast. We need to fast. I feel like there's a, there's a missing part in our congregation to fast, which I do, but that's another, another part. Hey guys, you need to be in your word. And I want to teach you to know your word. I, we, we've spent thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours investing into your community leaders so they would know how to lead you in your word. They would know how to teach you how to pray. They would teach you how to be on mission. This is important because that list, you, you are to follow that example in the same way too. And I quote, not be arrogant. You're to not be quick-tempered. You're not, to not be a drunkard. You're to not be violent. You're to not be greedy for gain. You're to be hospitable, a lover of good, upright, holy, and disciplined. That's for you as well. That's for you as well. Now, nobody would look at that list and go, I don't know if I should do those things. Yes, it's for you as well. And we hope we can lead in those directions. Now, we do this according to, um, and I say that all because this is what it says at the end of verse 9. So that he, talking about the elder, may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So we as elders are able to go, wait a minute, I don't like what you're saying there. That's not proper doctrine. Or, hey, I feel like you're not doing this. Why do you continue to... Uh, okay, and, and we're, we're constantly pointing people back. Now, here's, here's where I'll finish. I have two quotes for you, but I need to make a statement before I do. Um, you are following Jesus. You are following Jesus. You are following Jesus. You are following Jesus. Good Lord, you're following Jesus. You need to understand this. Now, um, I don't think there's any hesitancy. Like, no, I'm not following Jesus. I'm following Sean. Of course, that's stupid, right? Like, that's not, that's not the reality. But I need to make sure you understand we are reflectors. I need you to understand that this is what we believe. We're reflectors to Jesus. So I, I really believe this. When Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, it's because he's in line with Christ. It's not because he's awesome. So let me give you an example of this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, um, I want to read something to you. This is what Peter is, is talking to the church, and this is what he says. So I exhort the elders, talking about elders, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Hear this, to elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. This is what we're to do. We're to exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. So we're not, it doesn't have to be forced, but we, we want to, we love to do it. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being, being an example to the flock. Okay, can you hear that? Then listen to what it says. Beautiful poetry. Verse five. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You hear that? We ain't no chief shepherds. Like I'm here and I want to lead the way in repentance. I want to be a good example for us as a church. But we are under shepherds. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the one who guides the flock. We literally in our staff meeting, our elder meetings, pray for his guidance. We're not trying to figure that out, this on our own. We didn't want to like create three buckets because we think we're creative. And we prayed for the guidance of Jesus. And we, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, Jesus, you're the chief shepherd. We're under shepherds. How do you want to guide your flock? That's it. That's it. So I pray in some ways that we can be an example to that. Now, um, I want to address something because uh, those of you who are going to pick up your kids today, um, you're going you're gonna to get a little piece of uh, um, plate, a paper plate, and it's going to have my face on it, um, John's face and Jim's face. Now, as much as we love ourselves some idolatry in the church, um, 
Um, here's why they were given that. Um, I got a little charismatic in me, okay? I was raised in the charismatic movement when I got saved in high school. And one of the things that sticks with me, and I know this sounds crazy, but um, the best tact, here we go, we're going to be talking about Satan's tact. That was like the best thing in, in uh, charismatic movement, how Satan's attacking us. But I really believe the best tact um, that Satan can come at us in the church is really to go after the leaders. Because here's what I know. Some of your friends don't ever want to go to church again because of what leaders have done. Some of, some of, some of you don't want to come to church at all because you don't trust leaders. And I get it. That's because they've either failed in what we would call the three G's. They failed with girls, they failed with glory, or they failed with greed. Like one of those things has like messed up that. And so here's what I would ask. The reason your your kids were given that. Pray for us. And like pray. This is James 3.1 tells tells me that I'm going to receive a higher standard of judgment, a stricter judgment as I stand before God because I get to teach every week. And I love my job. Holy cow. I'm not allowed to say freaking anymore. Jim has vetoed that. So I stinking love my job. I love it. I love that. That like in your guys' mess, you let us come in and like help walk you through it. I love that. I love that every single week I get to come up here and walk us through the Bible. Like I have the best job in the world to, to help you know how you can be a, a holy priesthood. What does it look like for you to be on mission? My job, check this out. This is my job, is to equip you to do your job. That's it. That's, that's, I love my job. At the same time, there is insane amounts of temptation that are true. As men, you know this. There's insane amount of temptations in money. There, like all this. So we have things that are set that I have, I'm just going to tell you this. I have no idea who gives what. Oh, there's two people, Jim Ellis and Stephen Walsham. So sometimes I've noticed people come up to me and be like, hey, brother, how are you? And I feel like they're kind of like signifying like, I don't know. Who, like, do you give money or something? Like, there's this like, like they, uh, I, I, so that we have things to protect us from all those things, but for you to pray for myself, Jim and John, um, and that's why we sent your kids to know that, please, please. And I, I would normally not ask, and I feel awkward asking for that, but if you could please pray for us and our families. My wife is Candace. Uh, John Dember's wife is Teresa, and Jim Ellis's wife is, is Shirley. Um, so if you can pray for us, that would be great. Let, let me um, read to you uh, one final quote, and then we will get out of here. It's by a guy named Tim Chester, and this is our mantra for you to understand as elders, keeping it as simple as possible, leading us to the cross. This is what it says. It is simple, but it is not easy. Leaders must encourage and rebuke their church with the gospel. They must not underplay it, nor say more than it. Their people need them to preach teach and celebrate the gospel. Their people need them to love, live by, and grow in the gospel themselves. They are to be disciples shaped by the gospel, and they are to make disciples shaped by the gospel. That's all we want to do is for you to love the cross of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. Please continue to pray for us. Let's pray together now.